Who have I got? You've got Ashley Westwood, Glenn Whelan, or Craig Gardner. Fuck me. <laughs> Fuck me. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. And that's it. The end of the season. Look, we've already gone through all this. We had we had the last game already. I don't need to wrap up the end of the season yet again. I also did an Oscar speech at the end of the last podcast. So let's just get on with the end of season show here, shall we? I did just want to pause to take a moment just to reflect one more time on the clutchness of Aston Villa's run in there. I mean, you and I, Emery's gotten so much praise, but... I mean, these players who we thought were watery and we thought were weak and we thought they folded under every bit of adversity. Just go through some of the games there towards the end. Like the the late Leicester win, Bertie T coming off the bench, bringing somebody back from Turkey. The boy who was outcast, bringing him back to to get us all three points. The, The late draw against Brentford and Brentford's home record is unbelievable. And all those points, like every single point we got, as it turned out, were massively important they all counted because if we got one less point we didn't get into Europe we didn't have that last day celebration and like even hanging tight against Liverpool getting that draw was so crucial as well because like I say every single point was important and I suppose that's the thing to hammer home one last time is what Emery had gotten these boys fighting for was every single point and it all added up at the very end it really did yeah, and he touched on the wateriness of the players. I mean, I think the next the next game after that run of three against Leicester City and Arsenal was a way to was a way to dice you with Everton. And it's not the it's not the hardest game on paper, but he was just in the door. They had just beaten Arsenal and maybe maybe Leeds was definitely a relegation rival anyway. Mm. So they had picked up like seventeen percent of their points for the whole season in just those two weeks. <laughs> and they had also just had the weight of Frank Lampard's intellect taken off their shoulders as well. All 150 plus IQ points pushing down on them. I actually think that's for, that's probably Frank Lampard's biggest issue as a manager. You know, he's too smart. He's not able to he's not able to speak to players on their level. I mean, we've all we've all seen his comedy routines and his press conferences as well. They're they're much too high bro. I mean, he's commonly the only person in the room that's laughing. <laughs> 150 something IQ as well as he tells himself he's so smart he can't even remember the third of three digits but let, let's say it's one, let's say it's mid 150s Frank Lampard is saying if he lands in Dublin airport tomorrow we wouldn't be able to find 500 adults in the country who are as smart as him I'd just wait for the next fucking airplane to land and say we're halfway there Frank but <laughs> as we were coming as we were coming off that run that accounted for like 50% of Emery's defeats as well like we were we were on different trajectories altogether, and the the confidence that he had built up after he came in, and we had one defeat in seven league games. That confidence should have been fragile. It should have been shaken by those three defeats. I mean, this this is a team that picked up nine points in the first twelve games of the season, and the only thing they heard from their leader, their manager, their motivator during that time was that it was their fault. Yeah. So for Emery and the players to bounce back and stitch together that run of eight wins and two draws for Emery to tell them this is how we're going to win and this is where you're going to stand <laughs> and for the players to say all right so you want us to do this specific thing well and not just do football well that seems more manageable and again do you remember how ropey we had gotten as well you know we stumbled stumbled the draw against Brentford I think the next game Fulham had a shot against us but you know 
then the wheels just came completely off. I think the next two podcasts had the general theme of, is it better to have loved and lost and never to have loved at all? <laughs> it's probably presented more along the lines of these fucking cons shouldn't have made me dream. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we did really well. We did really well to recover from those two <laughs> defeats and get seven points from the last three games against big clubs as well. Yeah, the podcast did really well to recover. I, I love, do you know, the whole idea of six degrees of separation. I think this podcast is always one degree away from talking about Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever conversation, it's fascinating. Whatever conversation, it's not just that we might mention him or compare him to someone. It's just we will launch into a tirade about Frank Lampard for two minutes. And do you know what? It's always worth it. I appreciate it. The only other talking point, because we're giving Emery so much praise, it is funny that everyone trusts Unai Emery implicitly in the first decision we make this summer. None of us really like it, let's be fair. Ashley Young is out the door, and the last thing he had said on social media was that he hopes he's here next year for another European run, whatever amount of years after the last one that he was here for. I don't know. Like, I know I know we can always upgrade. I know... You know, I know, I know we need to get ready for the whole club to upgrade, but Young's a... Look, we we put up with Jed Steer hanging around the place for ten years, and I, I don't want to I don't want to turn my ear on Jed Steer, but he was there on vibes, really, really important in Aston Villa's history for the for the half a season that he really dug in, and it was so good for Villa, and it was obviously an important season. But apart from that, he was there when we we were buying Robin Olsen and playing him instead of him then, and it was. It was there because everybody was happy for him to be there. But I feel like Ashley Young, it's not only that we'd all be happy for him to be there, he's obviously very important in the changing rooms. He threw a snowball at County Chuck Wemmicka when he was running around huffing. Like, let's never forget that. That was his greatest <laughs> moment. When was Aston Villa returned, Chuck Wemmicka coming out to train him with a big face on him and Young chucking a snowball at him, telling him to cheer up, will you? <laughs> but he'd done more than that. He played more than 30 games a season. And there was a stage where he was genuinely our best player of that season. And... Obviously, the season took a complete upturn since then, but and all the people came to the fore, but for about half the season, I assume, was our best player. He played, this is under three different managers now, he played left-back, right-back, centre midfield, he played number 10, he played right-wing, he played left-wing. This is all in the last two seasons. I just didn't, <laughs> didn't think we needed to get rid of him immediately. Maybe Emery was just thinking... Look, if I had a blank slate, would I be bringing this guy in on these wages? Probably not. But, he, but, but it's not a blank slate. He's there. Let's just enjoy the slate as it is. <laughs> yeah, and in his 10 years, Jez Steer played half the amount of league games as Ashley Young played this year. <laughs> I feel really bad on Jed Steer, right? but it's an important point. <laughs> I think Ashley Young is, is you know veering into the legend territory the two iterations we got from you think 2007 to 2010 11 Ashley Young was one of my favorite players in the last 20 years I mean the guyly excitement and then to see that that player transformed into a dogged utility man in his <laughs> mid to late 30s like he put in incredible shifts this season patching up the team he was playing as an auxiliary centre half for large parts of the season. It was absolutely yeah. incredible. Even just for that, even just for that reward, you know, give him a reward for having done that, for having dug in so deeply. You nearly think, Jesus, give him another year. Give him another five million quid for the year. <laughs> you and I, Emery's lucky there's no games coming up now because if this was followed up with a loss, you know how off my head <laughs> I'd be, how trigger happy I would start to get. But I want to get into the first of our categories for the end of season award to celebrate the the good season that we've had and this is called 
the Christian Purslow, they truly are the future draft. <laughs> so it's very simple. We're going to put together our own football team slash football club slash football conglomerate, really. So we're going to pick between a number of positions and a number of roles around a football club or football media. All you're going to do is tell me which category you want to choose from. And then when we go into that, we'll have a pick each. We'll have a pick each to put a draft together and we'll see what we end up with. So the choices you have, and you can pick, you can pick whatever one you want to start with first. So the choices, the categories are goalkeeper, defender, fullback. <laughs> I'm such a dweeb. For a while, I had transition player written there instead of fullback. <laughs> and I just changed it to fullback. Anchor. For some reason, I've got wide receiver here. I was probably feeling uh, very American, so let's just say winger. <laughs> Attacking midfielder, striker, big money signing of the summer, or big money punt, really. We need a club referee. We need an assistant manager. We need a manager. We need a commentator, and we need a pundit. So goalkeeper, defender, fullback, anchor, Winger, attacking midfielder, striker, big money punt, club referee, assistant manager, manager, commentator, pundit, you can choose. And by the way, for let's say two of these, you will get to have two picks in a row. I'll be that generously. So for the most part, we'll just take turns at picking. Like you go first, I go first, that'll swap. But for two of them, you can decide I want to go for two choices in a row here. Goalkeeper. <laughs> okay, goalkeeper. You've got a choice. All you have to do is pick one. <laughs> Should manage that. Orion Neeland. Robin Olsen. <laughs> Lovre Kalinic or Peter Enkelman. Like what? What are the what are the essential qualities of a goalkeeper? From what I from what I can tell, for the last three seasons, it's being willing to eat your opponents, to fuck a gold glove on stage, and to collect yellow cards like they're fucking panini stickers. <laughs> so based on that, I'm going to have to say I don't want any of them. <laughs> but I'm I, honestly, honestly, it has to be it has to be Peter Enkelman. Really. That's how low down the rest of them are. <laughs> right. Interesting. I don't think I could stomach Neyland. I think I, I would probably rather... I was going to say I'd rather Robin Olsen than him. But just the oh, sight of Orian in the, in the, behind the post as well. He's not even trying to get the ball out to the other side of the post to show that it, he's holding it behind the post for everyone to see. But... And I always didn't like his flakiness and his wateriness. Made a couple of nice shot stops, but it, it always reminded me a bit of what do you call the concussed Liverpool goalkeeper? Carius. <laughs> yeah, remember like the whole you know, they would play a game where he only conceded one goal, and then there was a whole a whole thing to pretend <laughs> like he got his mojo back. And and some of the shots that people would be picking out to, to show that he saved every one of them. It was like, imagine any of them went into the net. Like they were all straight at him. <laughs> if he got out of the way of those balls, like, like it would be in all carries. And, and I'm saying that 
because I think Nyland or Nyland, whatever is pronounced, I think he's worse. So I'm definitely going to have to go with Love Rick Hellenich because, let's face it, the Aston Villa social media account did really try their best to tell us that this guy was really good. We were getting updates of his time on the Croatia bench over and over. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go with him. Why have you dismissed Enkelman so readily? Because you've picked him. Oh, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Now I am with you. Now I understand this convoluted section of the show. Yeah. All right. You can pick the next category and bear in mind, I will go first. So when I say you get to pick two in a row, that's when it's your go. So you can do it when you're going second or when you're going first. Uh, because it's the only one I can remember, let's go for transition player. <laughs> I'll read them out for you after this. So the fullback you're going to have to pick two this time and your choices are and sorry i'm going to get to go first by the way so that's the beauty of this one and we're going to do one at a time so the choices are alex moreno matt target kieran richardson (laughs) (laughs) hang on or mark delaney (laughs) I'm, i'm starting to think that you that you stacked this? You said you did that little, like, you know, oh, I was going to say transition player, ha, ha, because you knew that would stick in my head and I would go next and then you would have this fucking category loaded for yeah. your first go with only one fucking player. And by the way, I am going to now include a last-minute rule that I can pick two players in a row, but only one time. You get to do it twice because I can see the categories here. Right. How generous of you. But I'm not okay. going to do it for this one. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hit you like that. All right. I think we both know what the first two choices are here. I mean, like, I actually, whenever you said transition player initially, I was thinking the horrible flashbacks of having Leon Bailey as our only transition player at the start of this season. <laughs> and the only transition he made was from a, a thirty million point player to a worthless player. <laughs> but go ahead, hurry up and pick Moreno there. Yeah, I've picked Moreno already. Yeah, Mark Delaney, let's go. Who do you want next? Delaney's very good. Remember he man-marked Thierry Henry? And it was like, why didn't everybody just do that? (laughs) Right, now this is where it gets interesting. (laughs) Well, now the choice is, do I want Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, mad target? (laughs) (laughs) Going across horizontally to the ground with his teeth in the ground the whole time? Or do I want Kieran Richardson, who... Oh, do you remember any game? If you were ever at a game and you were you were in line with the defense, you would see how heart and mouth of a fullback Kieran Richardson was. He just like forget about it. We're talking about we're slagging Matt Cash there for being a few inches off the the defensive line. Kieran Richardson did not give a fuck about the Aston Villa defensive line. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to go with Matt Target. He did have a good season on the Greenish. He is playing Champions League football now. Yeah, he did. He did have a good season under lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> so who are you going to go for? <laughs> I'm going to be left with Kieran Richardson, it sounds like. And you're, it's funny you're talking about him being out of position. I think I remember, was it Roy Keane was talking about him being out of position, but then just went on to say, some people, you know, they can't defend and are out of position, call it out of position, but at least they fucking run back once they've realised. <laughs> pretty good summary of Kieran Richardson. I've got two left backs is the only problem there. You've, you've pretty much got Well, I, I've got Kieran Richardson. That's a pretty big problem as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay so now you've got defender anchor winger attacking midfielder striker big money punt club referee assistant manager manager commentator pundit we're <laughs> gonna have to speed this up aren't we? <laughs> anchor. anchor so you're getting two choices you're going first 
And do you want to? You have to tell me before I read out the, the names if you want to go twice, if you want two goes in a row. Uh, as as I'm, I'm going to lose this option if I use it now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll go one one for one. So we got Douglas Louise. I say Westwood, Glenn Whelan, Craig Gardner, or Gareth Barry. Oh, fuck, I should have used it. <laughs> you should have used it. Because <laughs> what you've given me there is two anchors and fucking three wankers. So, <laughs> Douglas Louise, based on the back end of the season, Douglas Louise has just had, I think he's, I think he's going beyond Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry levels, and let's not forget Gareth Barry's a wanker as well, so. Gareth no. Barry's an interesting one, isn't he? Because, well, like, Gareth Barry was my favourite player of all time, so that was... Yeah, you have to let it go, though, I remember. Yeah, people think I, I, <laughs> people think I haven't let the Jack Grealish thing go, but, I mean, that, that just cut me deep, Gareth Barry. I, I loved him. I used to write, used to tip-pick six at the back of my school bag for, <laughs> like, every year. Massive big six just running around on, on the back thinking I was class. And, yeah, and, like, and all the little... Uh teenagers so seeing that as well just thought your first name was Barry and you didn't realise it was the second name you just put in the back here <laughs> but um, like he, he's definitely going in because now as the years have passed I feel more fondly about him again and obviously he played so much for Aston Villa so we can't just we can't forget about the fact that they did leave Man City at the time it was a bit more strange it was like what are you doing yeah. like, you did, Man City or us why are you going to them for like to leave Villa for all that but he did end up winning the league and yeah, but like, what I love about Barry is that, where is he? You know, what's what's he doing? It's just I just have this image of him just, you know, just just working out and playing golf, and and that's it. Like he's he's put his money aside, doesn't need to show up and make a fool of himself on a TV camera, doesn't need to make a fool of himself on the sideline. Look at Gerard and Lampard now. All we have is fond memories of Gareth Barry. Well, everybody has fond memories of well, Gareth Barry. Looking fond memories and the betrayal and the betrayal. <laughs> but like, if you think of Gerard or Lampard now. People are immediately, and there's going to be a whole new generation. They're not going to care about how these boys arise into the box or how they took a game by the scruff of the neck. They're yeah. just looking at them, thinking they're fodder for social media content and for slagging people. Like, yeah. you think, else? We're just diving in there. We're saying one degree away from Frank, Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, one of the best footballers of all time. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not how he's going to be remembered. History will remember him. Gareth Barry, on the other hand, what a what a, what a way to play it. Just, just disappear into the sunset. Yeah, not put up even one video of himself biting the toenails off his daughter's foot. <laughs> yeah, like the Gareth, Gareth Barry going to to Man City felt a lot like fucking Southampton going to Middlesbrough. It's like, what are you playing? <laughs> Southgate going to Middlesbrough, yeah. Southgate, sorry, going to Middlesbrough, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's sort of the same move as well, going from Southampton to Middlesbrough. Yeah. So, <laughs> who have I got? You've got, I say Westwood, Glenn Whelan or Craig Gardner. Fuck me. <laughs> Fuck me. Like, are we picking a striker? Can I pick Ashley Westwood to float a corner in? Jesus Christ. <laughs> you can only pick one more. Uh, am I going to pick Craig Gardner? Is that what I'm going to do here? Is that what I'm being... Re- it has to be Ashley Westwood, right? Does it, though? <laughs> I don't know. Does it? Oh, my God. Do you remember after um, Stephen Kenny and Dean Smith took over at Villa in Ireland around the same time and... Glenn Whelan played football for about five games. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm going to go for Glenn Whelan based on those five games. 
He, I think he did a little shimmy, a little, you know, left foot to right foot around the Georgian player on the sideline. And that, yeah. that's that's enough to get him into this team ahead of Craig Gardner and Ashley Westwood. <laughs> that's enough for his 93 or 94 caps in an Ireland shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he got his studs on the ball one time. It was brilliant. I remember thinking this is a Dean Smith effect playing out before us. It's funny. I think I would have gone with Whelan last out of all those. Uh, yeah, talk about betrayal. Obviously, Craig Gardner going to Birmingham, and then not only did that, but being a scumbag when he's there. Um, I sort of liked him that he had a bit of pace. You know, I like a player who can get about, who can move, um, <laughs> bit gritty. I did, I did like the grittiness of him, but I think I'm going to go with Ashley Westwood. Like, it's, it's, it's is it Sophie's choice? Is it, it's, not, it's the opposite of Sophie's choice. It's like you don't want any of these. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's choose your poison. I'm going to go with Ashley Westwood. Like, you could you could float a corner into a big man. We'll get, we'll get to that maybe in the striker but he can uh, <laughs> doesn't do much else I, I'm reluctant to, to go down the route that a lot of people went down you know you know when people leave then you can you can be kind about them then because they're, they're not offending your eyes anymore or your heart it's like oh I see Wes yeah look at him he's starting for Burnley every week great pros he's not even doing anything for Burnley he was he was kicking the ball up towards the big men that, that was it it was a perfect place for him and he won player of the year there at one stage but I think I already exploded at that thought because like who, who was he competing with at Burnley <laughs> he beat Ashley Barnes like he beat Ashley Barnes eight goals because he serviced him with the corners and with the, the long balls up so yeah I mean that's my case for picking Ashley Westwood in my draft here <laughs> going Wheeland Westwood alright so do you want the categories again? We've got defender, we've got winger, we've got attacking midfielder, striker, big money punt, assistant manager, manager, commentator, pundit. I was actually excited whenever you said wide receiver initially. I thought it was going to be something like, you know, Neville Southall, Ronaldo Nazario, Jan Mulby, Wayne Rooney, or Luke Shaw. But uh, let's go for let's go for the winger category. Only one pick for this one, though. Okay. Three options. Good, because I've got fucking stuff to do today. <laughs> El Ghazi, Trezeguet, Bertie T. Bertrand Trory. Really? Yeah, Bertrand Trory is much more talented than the other three. And I think Bertrand Trory's traits, that, I think Bertrand Trory's bad traits are falling asleep, doing crazy stuff. El Ghazi has those as well. But then Bertrand Trory's got so much more going forward than Trezeguet, who doesn't have those traits. So Bertrand Trory's just a better footballer than the, the other two. I think this is a really hard one. Like I, I want to go with El Ghazi. I want to go with the Peacock and El Ghazi, the, the El Ghazi who believes that he's Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, he wasn't the only person that believed that kind of was he? But, but I think that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to stick with a bit of steadiness and I think I'm gonna have to stick with the the spirit of Andy Vyman and I'm gonna have you to go are with Trezeguet. Such a boring cunt. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Clutch Trezeguet. He's basically this, saved this is, from relegation that year. This is a bonkers character. This is like the foot. What do you call it? The football and media conglomerate draft. And you're <laughs> and you're picking it based on the fact that one of the players will track back. <laughs> Fucking come on, Conor. <laughs> Bank holiday Monday. Listen up. You'll get in the back post as well. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going with Trezeguet. I, like, I think he's output. I, th- I think it was more reliable attacking wise as well than El Ghazi over a longer period of time. El Ghazi's ceiling was much higher and it was much more fun. But I just, like, he made you feel sick sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on, you've got Bertie T, I've got Trez, we've got. Jesus Christ, I ended up with Bertrand Terori. I mean, go on anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> and so much conviction behind it as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Attacking midfielder, defender, striker, big money punt, manager, assistant manager, commentator, pundit. Uh, let's go with assistant manager. Assistant manager. We are picking one here as well. So, um, who went first? There you. So it's my pick. Brilliant. So the choices are it's not really brilliant. <laughs> the choices are John Terry, Robbie Keane, Jason Tindall, Austin McPhee. Jesus Christ. I think just for the fun of it all, I'm going to have to go with Robbie Keane just to see how this will play out now. I don't think Badly. I really want Robbie Keane as my assistant manager, but um, at least I'll be able to chat to him about all the good times with his 60-odd goals for Ireland. <laughs> can I get uh, can I get Jason Tindall and John Terry on a joint ticket and hopefully hopefully Terry will give him some crypto investment advice and wipe that fucking smile off his face. <laughs> Uh, Austin McPhee it has to be Austin McPhee just you know get that long ball thrown in as quickly as possible so you want it's funny because I actually just wrote down Tyndall and Terry thinking you were being serious that you wanted both of them (laughs) (laughs) so they're scored out and you're going with Austin McPhee that's how bad the other options are that's how bad the other options are like I suspect that maybe Jason Tyndall knows a little bit about football Mm. um, based on how well Newcastle have done this year it can't, it's obviously not exclusively Eddie Howe, and Eddie Howe isn't a fool. So you wouldn't just have him hanging around for no good reason. Sure, there must be something there. Ah, right. Eddie Howe listens to the High Performance podcast by Jake Humphrey. Oh, so. fuck me. Right, yeah. I take it all back. I'll stick with Austin McPhee based on the fact that <laughs> you know, Emery has kept him around the club. <laughs> Next category. Uh, what the fuck are they? Big, big money punt this summer. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Do you want... No, we're only going to go one pick. Harry Maguire. <laughs> Eden Hazard. Emile Smith-Rowe. Or Tam Abraham. Who gets to go first? You. Tam Abraham? Yeah. That's <laughs> Balls that one up. <laughs> but what, well, hang I, on. Think, I think your pick's pretty fucking obvious as well to be fair I should have put prices on them though I should have said Tom Abraham for 60 million though <laughs> give me the other free prices because they're going to have to be fucking very low <laughs> um, is mine not obvious I mean like, ah, it is it is it bit, is Conan bit of promise with Emil Smith Rowe yeah you, and I know your whole theory of not going after finished players, but I mean, it, it's Eden Hazard, though. No, I mean, it's not. I mean, is there a level? I feel like I've had this conversation, though, and been burnt already by Philip Coutinho, where it was like, I mean, he was at such a high level, maybe he still could be useful at this level. Look, it, it, this is this is a trap that people fall into. They think, oh, he's coming from Real Madrid. He could definitely play for Villa. How was he playing for Real Madrid, though? That's how you judge him. You judge him based on what he's actually doing for that club. You judge him based on the fact that he wasn't getting picked and he's getting allowed to go for free because he's shit. He's a really bad footballer now and he has been for the last four years. Yeah. You have to pick Emile Smith-Rowe. Okay, you're picking Emile Smith-Rowe for me. So that's that's that settled. Next category, attacking midfielder, defender, striker. And then we've got the manager, commentator, pundit. Uh, defender, let's just you know keep this... Going in the bonkers order, it's already going in. Okay, you got two. You have to pick two here. Do you want your two choices? Well, actually, is, one one of them, is one of them Harry Maguire? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going first. Go for it. 
So, well, the choices are Konza Mings, Jan Bednarek, Bjorn Engels. What the fuck is this about? Or Paul McGrath. So I'm going to go with Paul McGrath. <laughs> are you? <laughs> <laughs> not, are you not sure? Even. Have a little think about that. <laughs> no, yeah, it's your pick. Tyrone Mings. Yeah, you go Mings instead of Konza? I'm going, mate. I'm, 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 just hurry up and move on because I, Brilliant. I know that I've got two options left then that I don't want. <laughs> so I've got Kanza. <laughs> You've got Kanza and Paul McGrath. Engels or Jan Benrack of Euro twenty twenty fame. <laughs> <laughs> or was there was a World Cup actually? That's how much he did play in either of them. Oh, of World Cup fame. God. Oh my God. Like, how many times did Engels play for Aston Villa? Was it four games? Was it one time and he let the ball go under his foot and Son scored? Yeah, that <laughs> definitely happened. That's all I remember. I feel like Bednarak was never close enough to the ball to allow that to happen though either. Yeah. Fuck me. This really is Sophie's choice. I would say just kill both of them. <laughs> you have to pick one. Uh, go on then. I'll take... I'll take... I'll take Bednarak. Justice for Steven Gerrard. <laughs> okay we got attacking midfielder striker attacking midfielder two choices you're up first Jacob Ramsey Jack Grealish Paul Merson Carlos Gill or Jota <laughs> oh fuck me I get to pick two of them do I you can yeah Oh, how many seasons are we playing this this game for? <laughs> how long do we have, like long do we have this club for? In real time, it's going to go on for fucking ages. It seems. Um, <laughs> let's let's say it's for your next. It's your five year plan. It's my five year plan. Oh, Jacob Ramsey. Of course. So I'm going to jump in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Jack Grealish. Yeah, of course you are. And that leaves me with Paul Merson. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what I, I forgot and just said Jada? <laughs> oh shit, what was the other option? <laughs> Paul Merson. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with Carlos Gill. because you are, yeah. Yeah, the, the best player villain ever had, really. Just so much potential. Um, yeah. Do you remember Jada awesome. played a pass against Everton before as well? That was he good crack. did, yeah. Good pass to Wesley. <laughs> Although Carlos Gill was the... One of the main protagonists in the good times of the first 70 minutes of that game against Leicester. That fateful game that they always talk about. The year Villa got relegated and Leicester won the league. We were 2-0 up. Carlos Gill, left foot top corner. Jack Grealish, right foot top corner. It was like, this is the future. Two number 10s, bamboozle them, play Gill and, and Grealish. Like that, that really had something. But because we lost and Timmy changed it all. and I just feel like Gill was the one that got away, really. Mm. Striker. So I'm going to go first. The choices are Andy Vyman, Darius Vassell, Savu Milosevic, Jesus Christ, or Juan Pablo Angel. So I always think Juan Pablo Angel is an interesting one that he's got such a good reputation. I think, you know, if you really think back at it, he had a good season. And then he just didn't really do much around that. Big smile. Big smile, lovely lad. Do you remember that you also wanted to 
call the podcast Juan Pablo Angel's hairband? No, I didn't. No, that's, no, that's absolute slander. <laughs> I said to you, what are you going to call it? Something fucking stupid like Juan <laughs> Pablo Angel's hairband. <laughs> and, then the, and then the podcast was called The Villa Podcast. <laughs> I went with a Trezeguet pick on that one. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to pick Juan Pablo Angel though I think it's my choice oh, yeah, I think you have to, yeah. yeah I'm going to go with him and his hairband and his high fives at David O'Leary and yeah it just seems like I think he's a bit more of an all-rounder than the rest of them yeah he also scored a few goals <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck do I have Milosevic Fasel or who <laughs> your draft is looking terrible by the way <laughs> uh, Fasel Milosevic or Vyman I think there was I think we got two average seasons out of Milosevic where he scored I think he might have hit he might have hit double figures a couple of times I'm going to have to go with Milosevic I think uh, fucking hell I wanted Milosevic I'm not going to lie I loved Milosevic he was I remember I remember when you were seven you saw him celebrate a goal one time where he ran most of the pitch and then we were <laughs> we were playing a tiny little game and you were just gone for the next five minutes because you were running around the pitch. No crowd watching it, obviously. It was just an empty pitch and you ran around to celebrate. <laughs> and because you were seven, it took you fucking ages to come back and continue playing the fucking game. <laughs> I think the next choice is a hard one, but I'm going to have to go with Facel. I think we've got two decent uh, parents there, Angel and Facel. Would be a good one, and you've got Vyman and Milosevic. Yeah, you happy with that? Happy enough. Nothing I can do about it now, anyway. <laughs> okay, the next choice is manager, commentator, pundit. Let's go for manager. Okay, I think our uh, two picks are sort of out the window now. At this stage it doesn't really matter. I hadn't really thought that one through. <laughs> but your choice for manager, one choice, obviously, Gareth Southgate. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. Oh my god. Dean Smith. Fuck it anyway. Unai <laughs> Emery. <laughs> or Jason Tindall. I think I'm going to have to go for Dean Unai Emery, obviously. Oh, that's a shame how that one worked out, isn't it? Yeah, well, not for me. I was obviously hoping, yeah, I was obviously hoping that, that this would backfire on you and you'd have to pick between Southgate and Solskjaer. How would I? How would I ever have had to pick between? Were you going to pick Smith and Emery if you got to go first? I mean, like, is Smith automatically ahead so of, of Smith, is, Smith has really brought himself into question just from his decision making. Well, it is from a footballing point of view, but his decision to take the Norwich job and then to take the Leicester job is really, really baffling. Yeah, like, both of those were stupid, stupid decisions, and just smacked of desperation as well. I mean, even if he was thinking best case scenario here he couldn't have thought the best case scenario was that he would keep them up because he couldn't have possibly thought he was going to keep them up it was like he took the Leicester job without looking at the fixture list yeah I don't know like the, the Norwich one's obviously yeah really stupid and he did it within a week the Leicester one even if he did well Graham Potter was going to get that job so the only <laughs> way the only way he could have kept that job was to get relegated but because he gets relegated he's not going to get the job <laughs> so it was never going to work out. It was it's a catch twenty two cannon. Let's do all the classics. Yeah, exactly. And and, and this is it. Like, you know, we praised Dean Smith for 
never not asking someone he fancied out. But that, that that's this is how it plays out then when that person gets scorned. He's going around asking everybody and anybody <laughs> like anybody to hug him. And I just don't know where he goes from here. And like it is, yeah, part of it is is personal for me because they obviously said he would never be in the championship again. Like that that should have been the trajectory of his career. Well, he did say he's never gonna get anyone promoted from the championship <laughs> again, and I think he could be fucking right. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what his next move is. Maybe the Celtic job will come up if Pasacoglu's gone. I think that could be a good one for him. Go get some uh, trophies under the belt as well and, and, and used to being a big club manager and, and being yeah be, being on top of the league and, and acting that way then. That didn't really work much for Gerrard, but I mean, I think it could it could help Dean Smith who had a bit more behind him as well. I think if we're going to if we're gonna go along the, the analogy of him going with... Uh, or having been a scorned lover, I think he's obviously going to end up back at Walsall, back into the first loving embrace he ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to surprise you, but I'm going to go with Gareth Southgate just for not completely ballsing up the England job. <laughs> these, are, these are the choices I'm left with. The commentator or pundit, take your pick. Commentator. All right, commentator. The choices are Jim Bagelin, Michael Bridges, or Andy Hinchcliffe. This is pundit. This is commentator. Okay, I'm getting to go first. Oh, what? <laughs> I'm going to go with Michael Bridges because if what? I if I'm in charge of this club, this conglomerate, whatever it is, Michael Bridges, if he is at home, if he's at Villa Park doing all these games, he has shown that he will be completely swayed by whatever the crowd is around him. I don't think it was necessarily a I hate for Aston Villa to have him acting that way. I think it was being surrounded by Liverpoolians and Adam being completely paranoid about everything he was saying. So I think Michael Bridges could be a good man to have in your inside pocket. I'm going to go for Jim Beglin because I have a suspicion he's just carrying around wads of cash in his inside pocket and he might throw me a couple of fivers. <laughs> okay, and Pundit, the last one. You're getting to go first. We have two people. To pick for this, the choices are Danny Murphy, <laughs> Gary Neville, uh, Roy Keane, Gabby Agbonlahor, okay. or Ben Foster. <laughs> oh, it, okay, okay, I'm gonna go with Roy Keane. Oh, really? I, I would have went the same. I'm going to go Roy Keane first because I think the other four options are so fucking shite that I'm going to have Roy Keane in there and he'll be able to take the piss out of whoever my second choice ends up fucking being. (laughs) I'm going to go with... I have to go with Ben Foster. (laughs) I really respect what he's doing from a media point of view. I love the Fozcast. Great fella, great guy. There's no skeletons in Ben Foster's closet. So yeah, when you go with a nice clean cut Ben Foster, the big smiling idiot Ben Foster. <laughs> so who am I fucking left with? Danny Gary. Murphy, Gary Neville, or Gabby Agbonlahor? Oh my fucking god! <laughs> like boring idiot or wanker? Who do I want? <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna have to go with Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy, the man. I think who's Danny Murphy. With- Villa would never do better than Steven Gerrard. I just think he, I think he's his best mate. He was massively compromised. I mean, I don't think we can ever 
you know, not lay that claim at Gary Neville's door. <laughs> I can't have Ga- I can't have Gabby Agbon nowhere, Conan. Yeah, the man retired at the age of twenty nine and twenty nine stone. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't be having him knocking around the studio. Oh, I think it has to be Danny Danny Murphy. So Roy Keane, Roy Keane and Danny Murphy could be an interesting dynamic. Actually, it won't be an interesting dynamic. Roy Keane will be kind of interesting, and Danny Murphy will be in the studio as well. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Gary Neville. Like I think, as much as I pity him a lot of the time, I think he's too busy in his life. Never mind in football. I think his head scrambled. He's so compromised. He doesn't know whether he's coming or going. He doesn't know what he's last thought was on a particular subject so he's never sure anymore of what is uh how hypocritical he's been but in saying that i always end up watching gary neville i like because he's on sky that's not a compliment (laughs) but people might say that's the role of gabby agbonahor for example in talk sport they're there to keep you watch but i don't i see i see a tweet of gabby agbonahor and i'm like "Eh, i'm not not watching that i see a gary neville one and i know it's going to evoke something more in me and yeah, I but you're think, not you're not you're not watching his Twitter for that. You're watching the replies in his Twitter for someone saying something hilarious to him. That's not Gary Neville. Same way you're not watching Sky Sport because Gary Neville's on there. You're watching Sky Sport because the fucking football is on there. Yeah. The, the the biggest problem with Gary Neville, yeah, is that he actually has millions of people who worship everything he says. That like that's the most painful thing I think of. If he didn't have that, I wouldn't feel as strongly about it. <laughs> so We've put together our conglomerates, and I have to say, I think I'm coming out on top here. So, in Nets, you have Peter Enkelman. Your defense <laughs> is made up of Mark Delaney. Does it, does it matter what my defense is with Peter Enkelman? <laughs> Mark Delaney, Jan Bednarak, Tyrone Mings, and Kieran Richardson. Jesus Christ, how did that happen? You've got Douglas Louise and Glenn Whelan in midfield. Oh my God. You've got, <laughs> you've got. Berkey. So, I, sorry, I, I, I've, I've got. How easy is it going to be to play against this team? Anytime Tyrone Mings is on the ball, he has to pass it to Douglas Louise because he's not going to be able to pass it to Glenn Whelan. Yeah, because he's going to be hiding behind somebody, and he's not going to be able to ha- pass it to Peter Enkelman because it'll be an OG. <laughs> but uh, you've got JJ and Merson in, in the attack. How are they going to get the ball? I don't know. Bertie T might give it to them. <laughs> might give it to him he won't even know if he's done that <laughs> and then you've got a choice between Savon Milosevic and Vyman to rotate in and out of your striker position but you're also trying to bring in Tam Abraham you really should have thought about this when you were putting together your big money punt you, you probably should have fucking explained the whole section better <laughs> and then you've got Austin McPhee yes, you've, you've got Austin McPhee in the technical area also, we, we, well, I suppose based on the fact that we can't build up from the back, we're going to have to be a set-piece team. But unfortunately, I've got fucking Austin McPhee. <laughs> Helping out you and I, Emery, in fairness. Jim Beglin calling the shots. Roy Keane and Danny Murphy telling you what they think. Yeah, which isn't going to be fucking good. <laughs> I, meanwhile, have Lovery Callage. I've got Alex Moreno and Matt Target of fullback. I've got Paul McGrath and Konza in defence. I mean, this is a solid backline. Yeah, well, and then in the field, I've got Gareth Barry and Ashley West. But I do have to say, I've got a much more solid team than you. Yeah. I do have Robbie Keane in attacking, or in attacking an assistant manager role, though. I've got Trezeguet. I've got Jack Grealish. I've got Angel. I've got Fassell. I think I'm coming out of this pretty well. Who's your big money signing? 
my big money signing is Emile Smith-Rowe to drop in there alongside Jack Grealish. Ah, he's shite anyway. He's fucking 23, I think. I've got Dumb. Carlos Gill as well, a bit of competition. <laughs> Gareth Southgate overseeing it all, not picking any of these boys anyway, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah, Trezeguet <laughs> doing fucking laps at a pitch for him. Ben Foster and Gary Neville. In fairness, I'd rather watch your TV show afterwards. Okay, that went on way longer than I thought it was going to go, but it was enjoyable, so we're going to take a quick break. See you in a second. My mind's telling me no. This is what makes Big Bear DT so hard to resist. But my body, my body's telling me yes, baby. He's like a lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. You know that ultimately he's really bad for you, but my god, is he delicious. Big Bertie Bertie, so hard to resist. So hard to resist. But what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is it worth it? It might sate my appetite for a while, but I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My waistline's getting a bit out of control, and overall, it's not the best thing for me. So hard to resist. So hard to resist. It's very enjoyable eating the burger. My God, is he delicious? My God, so hard to resist. Lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. Bertrand Ferrari. Bertrand Ferrari. A moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs> Going to do a very quick WhatsApp Winges roundup. So, if you ever needed proof of how valid our fining system really is, can you guess who the player was fined the most this season? It must be Martinez, right? Be- yeah, like that. I mean, for me, that was a very sober moment when I saw that. I mean, it was Emmy Martinez were fining the most every week, mostly based off a seven yellow card for time wasting. But that's World Cup winner in the same season, been her best player, one of her best players the last couple of seasons. And we're not paying him most weeks. I don't know what sort of conglomerate we've put together, but it's not a great one. Have you asked Jat GPT to figure this out for you? <laughs> <laughs> Leon Bailey is the points per game uh, or fines per game fines per minute champion obviously <laughs> um, we just didn't play as often as Emmy Martin is but I want to do a section of WhatsApp winges and it's called things that I'm leaving behind so I'm leaving behind on a WhatsApp software update and I've got four <laughs> things here that we need to just consign to the past now consign to the season and, and, and even further back Passing around the back. Remember that WhatsApp winch? Remember we used to complain about that all the time? I think that's well and truly gone from our WhatsApp winch lingo from now on. Yeah, well, like obviously because we weren't, we were just passing the ball to each other without understanding the objective of the sport, it seemed, whenever we used to do it. But yeah. since, since Emery took over, the passing around the back is with a purpose. Second one I have 
is I want to forget about the injury updates on social media. Remember, I used to hate those. They did descend into nonsense, really. The the updates that we were getting weren't so much updates as they were just everything's the same, everybody's injured. But what <laughs> I figured out along the way is that even though I complained about that every single week, Villa kept winning every single week because Emery was managing the team. <laughs> as much as I'd like him working with a full deck, I don't think I'm going to be putting as much investment anymore, emotional investment, into whether or not Philip Coutinho trained this week. <laughs> um, because let's be honest, we did get an update saying he was back training and then he never played anyway for the rest of the season because he got injured again. So I think I want to leave that behind this season. Yeah, there was a couple of times when you wanted to know what the story was with Bubakar Kamara, but like it was commonly Philip Coutinho or Leon Bailey. And let's be honest, we couldn't really give a shit if they were back or not. <laughs> I'm going to spare the post-match interview for the away games. A bit of grief that I definitely doled out to him throughout the season. It's been such a long season. Gerard was in charge this season, remember? I spent the time cutting up a montage of the type of questions this guy was asking Gerard. I was so pissed <laughs> off that somebody who worked for the club wasn't calling Gerard a wanker straight after the games. But like, like you're saying he works for the club as if he was going to do it, he couldn't do it. Of course he could do that if he wants the club to improve, Conor. That's exactly the type of thing he should try to do. Make the guy most responsible for the performances, get better by saying to him, what the fuck was that, Stevie? <laughs> Are you saying keep this one for next year? <laughs> I'm saying let's keep an eye on it, but I don't think we're going to be finding it quite as annoying next year for some reason. <laughs> the last one is the hardest one for me to do, but I feel like it's time. It's time to do it. I'm going to stop keeping an eye on which Villa players are liking Jack Grealish's Instagram posts. <laughs> and I, honestly, I feel like a big person. I feel like a big man putting this down here. Uh, considering the last time Jack Grealish played against Aston Villa, he fucking dived to win a penalty against Jacob Ramsley. But I'm going to stop keeping an eye on people liking his Instagram posts. I don't know if it says more about how much you've grown as a person that you have stopped telling me who's been liking this Instagram post or if it says, <laughs> says more about what you think about my what my response might be. <laughs> Any other ones you want to add into what we're leaving behind in the WhatsApp Windows software update? Uh, well, seeing as you've mentioned software update there, assistants keeping their flags down. Like I know, I know that you and your pal in the media, Gary Bertles, think that the technology being developed in the VAR van is a fucking time machine and that we should immediately raise the flag for every inkling of offside and then if it's not offside we can let the technology sort it out afterwards. I know you think if the technology is broken if the fucking traversable wormhole and stadium accelerator are broken we can just ask we can just all put the flag up and say right everybody remember where you are we're going to have a quick look at this and let the technology sort it out and then we'll we'll play on from this position okay you're, you're good to play the exact same pass are you Jacob? Good man. The technology is just a load of cameras and a 3D model, Conan. But yes, yes, I agree the assistants should put their flag up when the call is so fucking obvious. John Terry could see it from behind the slats in Wayne Bridge's wardrobe. And the amount of calls in the last few weeks of the season where the, the daylight between the players was so intense it could escape from a fucking black hole. Well, I'm sure, given you and Gary Bertles' understanding of physics, that's what you think anyway, that it became fucking laughable as the games were grinding on. I mean, Son didn't even un- seem to understand the rules against us towards the mm. end of the season. It was a joke. Put the fucking flag up. I, I don't actually know if this is one we're going to be able to to get rid of, though, because we play such a high line, it is going to be something that I'm going to have to find a way to live with. <laughs> 
if there are any more from you or from anybody listening, send them on. Stuff that you want to see, stop talking about. Or I don't want a full review actually of the show, just in WhatsApp ones particularly. <laughs> <laughs> if you want us to include anything in the fines, especially, you're something that you want to include. Something you want included in the show, actually, not excluded from the show. I think my ego could take suggestions for inclusion, not exclusion. So any fines that you want, uh, Want us to keep an eye on next year, definitely all ears for that one. But we're going to rattle through some categories here right now after a very quick breather. Okay, so we're going to start with the Rosenthal Hall of Fame. And it's uh, it's obviously Danny Ings coming down to collect his Lifetime Achievement Award. Danny <laughs> Ings was an Aston Villa player this season as well. I mean, he had some stiff competition. I mean, obviously the Jacob Ramsey one. Last game of the season against Brighton. Leon Bailey, the very end against Wolves. Remember that? I mean, all, like, I'm talking about all these points that we saved, that we needed all of them. Like, we left some fucking points out there as well that we could have used with along the way. Maybe we could have had a Europa League spot. Ollie Watkins missed a lot of big sitters as well along the way. I think he missed one against Brighton too. But I think overall for the season, there is no beating Danny Ings, even though he only played half the season. Yeah, I think obviously JJ's miss in the last game of the season is the most obvious big single miss. And I admit it, Conor, like he didn't do a good job of getting on to the end of Leon Bailey's bad pass. But there was there was definitely one game as well, and I just can't fucking remember it, but I wish I could, when Watkins missed under very, very similar circumstances where he was essentially standing on the line. And the pass was probably better as well. And I think you jokingly and knowingly tried to pretend that your hero wasn't the winner that week as well. So if you can remember what that miss was, I'd love to <laughs> That's right. I think I was actually making a case for something Ramsey did. <laughs> Jacob Ramsey missing from 18 yards out. Well, that's unlikely as well because we know he doesn't shoot from there. But like, I think Danny Ings might have a bit, of, a bit of competition for most misses overall. I mean, Bailey missed the fucking ball a lot as well. And we could bring this back up to WhatsApp windows we want to be bin as well i mean fucking hell leon bailey just swinging at a ball and missing it is surely something that we don't want to see next year yeah that's a good point the peter Enkelman what the fuck award i think the main winner here but probably deserves a bit of credit now you consider him what what helped follow all this it was tyrone mings's header against chelsea do you remember that, <laughs> remember that? at villa park he just headed it straight to mason mount he went through and scored and in fairness to Stephen Gerrard, he did say Chelsea would come and wipe the floor with us, or maybe Tyrone Mings was just looking in the eye and helping him do that. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the most graphic because it just looks so silly. He was standing in the middle of the box, he pops straight into the air, and the ball just pops straight off the top of his head as well. It was mad. I think if we're gonna if we're gonna be serious, the biggest what the fuck moment was signing Robin Olsen for three million. <laughs> And I think we, I think we touched on this last week. I mean, the o- the only evidence that we had to decide whether to sign him was his disastrous debut against Man City when fucking Steven Gerrard was falling over himself to take the title away from Liverpool again. And I think, I think his first four four games he conceded fourteen goals, and, and I don't think his next three were as bad as that on the scoreboard. But I think the fucking chest palpitations and just is probably a better way to measure Robin Olsen's performances. I'm sorry, the next three games also included losing to Stevenies, by the way, I'm just realizing. <laughs> but like it was an awful lot of money to spend on someone who looks like looks like he'd need two fucking nurses to help him spend a penny. Like he's 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 like a really shit Benjamin Button, the bo- the body of an old man, but also the fucking mind of an infant. I mean he, he started the season at thirty two. 
He must be aging like a fucking dog. He's only <laughs> eight months older than Orion Island. <laughs> the this one is not called Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing a word. This is called the Carney Chuck Wemmica. Oh, he's still playing a word. <laughs> and the winner is Philip Coutinho. I I wasn't good when Gerard was there at the start of the season and then remember the game against Brentford when Danks was there and everybody was having a feel good party and they were released from the club and Coutinho came on terrible body language wasn't tracking back it was just standing out like a sore thumb that day don't know how close he is with Gerard. I mean even on Alex Moreno's Twitch stream after one of our wins there during that run Coutinho's standing outside he's, he's looking in the window I appreciate that he's there and he's hanging out with the boys, but like, come into the room. Like, why are you standing outside <laughs> looking through the blinds, looking sheepishly? Just, I feel like this was symbolic of his involvement this season, just sort of on the periphery there, but not really there. People like him, but you know, not really part of the group. I don't know. It was just a big shame having him there this year and not, yeah, not really getting anything, getting nothing out of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm always worried about recency bias, but the, the tricky thing about that is that recent events are the easiest to remember and the most impactful. <laughs> but I, re- I really I really don't think Buendia or Bailey did themselves any favours in the back end of the season either. And I think the big problem for them, and particularly Bailey, is that we've shown that this, they've shown that this is the position where we look really light, where like if we look at the teams we're trying to catch, apart from Brighton, who we definitely will catch next season, and have caught, we were much better than them since Emery took over. That's where our our squad is showing up. Like we need, we really need to be pulling away from Brentford and Brighton, and we need to be targeting Spurs' place in the in the big seven now every year, and every year, every year or two maybe. You know, a team cocks up, so a space will become available. But really, we need to be looking at catching Spurs, and Spurs have bounced between fourth and seven the last few years with Son as their second-best attacking player. Mm. And Liam Bailey has scored five league goals for us in two seasons. He had a bit of injury, but that's part of being a top footballer as well. I don't think he's as good as Son, Colin. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone in the, t- in the top ten scored more than us this year. And of the teams of the teams above us, I think Man United are only a team we're anywhere near. They fucking pulled Voigt Vekhorst out of early retirement in Turkey. Like Man United had a centre-forward unknown from a championship club. I think that the peroxide from the hair had penetrated on his skull as well. He was playing like a football, like a fucking subidio figurine taken <laughs> over by taken over by some sort of fungus that had control of his body. And I don't know what Jaden Sancho is or is supposed to be. So, you know, it's not great that they're the team we're closest to. Yeah. And I think even going back to the what the fuck, I think Robin Olsen is obviously the winner <laughs> for me, but... Starting the season with Watkins, Ings, and Bailey as our only attacking players, you know, especially for a manager who was just asking people to give him more quality, it's mm. amazing that he entered the season with so little quality, and like that he didn't think that he didn't think that would be a problem. He just couldn't see it. He was all in and continuous as attacking signing a player who was there the season before, so doesn't improve the squad, and a player who hadn't played well in three months either. And then the desperate hunt for a fourth centre-back as well. That was nauseating. That, that was just one of those moments when you realise idiots succeed in life as well. I mean, like the whole point of signing Diego Carlos was so that we would have a fourth centre-half in case one of them get injured. And then whenever one of them get injured, we fucking went out and got Jan Bednarak as the solution. 
oh, thank God we got that sorted. I was starting to think we might have to play someone at centre-back who wasn't cut out for this level, but we got Jan Bednarek. Like, you, you think Jan Bednarek is the answer? He's the man you're turning to, to fi- in an emergency to fill in your back four. Pretty fucking ironic, because I emptied my back door anytime I saw him in an Aston Villa jersey. <laughs> fucking madness. You put him in your all-time Aston Villa <laughs> Quick one for Unsung Hero of the Year. I'm all up for any suggestions that anybody wants to send in as well. But I've got two options you can pick the winner out of each of these or, or either of these. Michael Beal for leaving Stephen Gerrard <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> leaving Stephen Gerrard on his own. Or Neil Critchley for leaving Stephen Gerrard on his own in Australia because his passport couldn't get him out to Australia for pre-season. I mean, I know a lot of people seem to rate Michael Beale, but let's not fucking forget he was playing second fiddle to Stephen Gerrard. So what fucking level was this lad actually at? <laughs> and the entire time the Stephen Gerrard was at the club, including during Michael Beale's period, Aston Villa were shit. Yeah. I know I've said this already, but yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they expedited the eventual sacking of Stephen Gerrard, but I fucking doubt it. I think an actual unsung hero was probably Danny Ings. I mean, he ended up being our second top goal scorer, having left the club in January. Yeah. That Bailey miss I mentioned earlier as well was like one of the best passes. I've definitely probably the best pass I've seen this season. It was from Ings over the top to Leon Bailey. Yeah. What about uh, Tyrone Mings over the top? To Danny Ings. To Danny Ings. <laughs> There's a common thread here. Maybe, yeah, maybe Danny Ings <laughs> deserves this. We're giving him the Rosenthal Award. We'll give him uh, something nice here as well because he's a good lad. The Let's go to the ultimate Andy Vyman. I could never hate you meter. Last year, we went through the whole squad. We're not going to do that again this year. I've narrowed it down to 10. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll go through it quickly because I've I've You've nominated it down to the starting eleven, which was exactly the same for the last ten weeks. <laughs> but I have a feeling it's going to be one or two choices. So basically I'll just give you the names and you can tell me if a player is higher or lower than this person on the Vyman meter at the end of the season. And remember, it's in the spirit of Andy Vyman, it's in the spirit of oh, how could I hate this fella? Regardless of what a good player he is. So that's why I don't feel great starting with Bubakar Kamara, because he's such a good player. So maybe I'm not going to start with him. I'm going to start with Tyrone Mings because his season started from the whole being dropped, getting the captain's arm man taken off and from Gerard bizarrely coming out and seemingly attacking him then in the in the press. And afterwards, Mings had to release a statement to say that he's very happy for John McGinn. Like it, it seemed like his character has been put in question by Gerard. That seemed it was being put in question by Gerard. So for him to go from that to the level he got to then for most of the season was unbelievable to get back in the England squad amazing quote then about Gareth Southgate my manager in the fantasy draft by the way he <laughs> said um, he said he was surprised that he got called up to the England squad for June because he's been playing at the same level for the last few months so he's not, he doesn't think he's done anything different is that just the sweetest quote that you've heard yeah it's brilliant but it's also it also made his dropping as well at the start of this year was bizarre because he had actually ended the previous season really yeah. well. He was on a really probably in the best run of form he had been in for Aston Villa. He's since taken over that now, and given the last twenty five games he's put together. But whenever he was dropped, it's like gee, of all the times to drop to Romings, it's not the fuck. It's not at the minute. This is this is madness. And to strip him with a captaincy and all as well, and to mess around, like you know, and appointing club captains and all as well, so that he couldn't even you know continue in that role and just 
have him out of the team and John McGinn as the captain or whatever Stephen Gerrard thought was a good idea at the time. It was madness and just needlessly needling the player. Is he higher or lower than Alex Moreno on the Vimeo meter? Because remember when Alex Moreno came in, we were not impressed the first couple of games with him. He looked a bit of a mess defensively. He got that under control and then he ended up being really, really, really good attacking wise. Tyrone Mings is definitely higher than Tyrone Mings played at a at a more at a higher level than Alex Moreno. I mean, Tyrone Mings will be I'd, be... I'd be surprised if he gets knocked out in the next couple of rounds, to be honest. Well, Ooh. unless you just immediately bring in Douglas Louise. <laughs> That's but exactly... I, I, I played this game before, Connor. I don't think he will. <laughs> I, actually, I actually do have Douglas Louise in next. That's <laughs> um, and a lot of it as well is because Again, it's you know we can talk about which player has been better, but in terms of the Vyman meter, Douglas Louise, if he just takes on specific as free kicks, we never wanted this man standing <laughs> over a free kick. And now it's like I don't want to see anybody else but Douglas Louise standing over a free kick. The output that he gave as well, as well as the performances, as well as leading that midfield. I mean, yeah, this is a hard one. Mings or Louise, who's higher? I think the, I think Douglas Louise is higher. Um, geez, that's fucking three really good players we've had this year. That's incredible. I think we I think we only had two last year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Douglas Louise is higher. I think he probably was across the whole season our best player. I think I said last week. You know, if the season went on for another ten games, John McGinn would be really challenging him. But I think Douglas Louise, based on the fact that he cha- like he's changed the role he's got in the team as well and he's done it while maintaining all the other things that we liked about him Jimber, you know lockdown Dougie where he was just bossing the midfield and he was controlling the game from a from an anchor from a pivot position mm. now he's doing that while also getting into the box and you know scoring six or seven goals a season and creating seven or eight other goals for all the people incredible I don't have much hope for these next three but we did praise Luca Dean after the last game, and now he's. I'm feeling fondly about Luca Dean in terms of a good lad approach, being around the, the club, being there when we needed him. I don't think he's higher than Dougie Louisa, is he? Certainly not. Is Leander Dundonker? <laughs> what the fuck is Leander Dundonker doing here? Why you said you narrowed this down? What was the criteria? <laughs> he played well against Newcastle in that famous victory against Saudi Arabia. And to be fair to Dundonker, to give him a brick he only ever was being subbed on for some reason when we were 2-0 down <laughs> Douglas Ruiz higher than him yeah just a little bit is Callum Chambers higher or lower than Douglas what Ruiz? the fuck you didn't put any effort into this at all you like I, I I was actually being generous to you suggesting that you just picked the first 11 it turns out you just threw a fucking dart at a list of Aston Villa players names <laughs> <laughs> all right the next four are hard i think all four of these are higher than douglas louise on the vima meter ollie Watkins. i don't think he is Connor. no no i don't think so uh, ollie Watkins was wasn't good for the first half of the season yeah and i think you could even say Maybe I'm maybe I'm not remembering this properly, but even at the start of Unai Emery's reign, it was like ah he's getting there, like he, like it will come good for him eventually. But there were still you know five, six, seven, or eight games I think where he wasn't where he wasn't good, and then he had that incredible run. Now I know the Vyman meter is a lot to do with effort as well, but I don't think think about the mental effort that Douglas Louise has gone through this season, Connor. Mm. 
Now, this is the problem now for Ollie Watkins. Now you become a goal scorer. You get your most goals in a season, your greatest output in terms of goals and assists in a season as well. People don't care about your effort anymore. They just want the goals. Give me more of those. <laughs> this next one's definitely higher than Douglas Louise. John McGinn. Why do you think he's definitely higher? Because he runs around more. I think we've got, yeah, I, got, I don't want to labour that point, the, the championship John McGinn, but I mean the guy who, do you remember that meme where it was like a, was like a ghost running around after somebody in a school hall. It was like John McGinn going after the ball when somebody turns it over for the other team. It was John McGinn flying, running back and gets the ball and then charges back forward again. I think he was back in the double pivot, the famous double pivot that we thought he could never play in. And he was brilliant in it. He was brilliant on the right. He was great playing off the striker as well. I think... I just think in terms of Vyman, I think John McGinn is higher. I think he... Yeah, it was, it was more output in terms of obvious effort across the pitch, across the every tackle he was putting on his arse. Like, well, I don't, I can't remember the last time I complained about his arse. Like, it was never an issue anymore. I think, yeah, I, I, I criticise him wearing the armband. I think he ended up becoming the obvious leader of the team then as well. I, th- I think John McGee... Yeah, but he's got, he's got a different role to Douglas Louise. I mean, I think the Weimann meter is not just about the effort you're putting on your legs, it's the effort you're putting on your head. I mean, mentally, Douglas Louise has definitely been the the strongest performer this season. He's controlling games for us. He's demanding the ball. He's taking it in really, really tough air. I know John McGinn's doing that as well, but that's because he knows he's got his arse to cushion him. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to do that when you've got <laughs> when you've got something that people literally can't get around. Look, Conor, it's your show. If you want, if you want John McGinn to go up, we'll let it happen. No, I like I like how uh, strongly you're fighting for Douglas Louise. Let's see how he comes out of these next two because he's doing well here. He's coming from the backfield and he's he's keeping his spot. Bertrand Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy that you think that's funny. I've got Bertrand Ferrari being flown back from Turkey because we couldn't sign anybody and being being a presence for Aston Villa, scoring two goals in two games in a row, getting us two crucial victories. Being Bertrand Ferrari, Bertie T was there when we needed him most. He was there when we needed him most in the first 60 minutes that he was there for, and then he just didn't do anything in the next six games. Okay, okay. Okay, Douglas Louise or the final one, Ashley Young? Uh, I mean, I think if Ashley Young hadn't have been shot on this week by the club, I would would have immediately said Douglas Louise again. But I think I am still going to stick with Douglas Louise. I mean, it is incredible that Ashley Young ended his Aston Villa career playing as a right centre-back. That is absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that he played left-back, played played right-back, played right centre-back, played right midfield, played centre midfield during this, I think it was last season where he did that mm-hmm. a couple of times. Absolutely ridiculous. Played off the front man as well. I mean, it's been, it's been such a good signing to have for the last two years. I think he's turned 38 next month. Absolutely ridiculous. But, but. <laughs> even with the snowball, you're forgetting about the snowball in County Chuckwamaka's face. Yeah, I mean that didn't have the desired effect, did it? Unless the effect was just to hit him with a snowball in the face. Yeah, and it wasn't the season that, by the way. So I should actually rule that out. Disqualification <laughs> for that for that point. <laughs> All right, congratulations to Douglas Louise. I think it's clear you don't want them boards, and he is the ultimate. Andy Vyman, champion. Well done, Dougie Louise. And in fairness, we probably stopped putting him up this season because he got so high. 
he got so far off the charts that there was no point in even mentioning him anymore in that category. So congratulations, Douglas Louise, a fit and champion. And now for one last time, we've got questions we can't answer, but probably will. I've got two. The first one probably quicker than the second one because of a feeling you won't like the second one. But the first one, who was the worst appointment this season? I mean, think about the amount of appointments. I think 14 managers lost their jobs in the Premier League this year. So Christian Stellini, Ryan Mason, Frank Lampard, Sam Allardyce, ably assisted by Robbie Keane, <laughs> or Dean Smith. I've narrowed it down to five. And Dean Smith, yeah, like we, we, we talked about what a pointless... What a pointless uh, choice that was for him. Like he's, he's getting worse than, than Pochettino at picking jobs. <laughs> I mean, a very, very little would give me more pleasure than slagging off Sam Allardyce's one point. But I mean, their fixtures were tough. And I think at that stage, Leeds, Leeds had been in the casino for a fucking long time. I mean, the risks they were taking under Bielsa, they should have just cashed in their chips two seasons ago. And they've just been bleeding money. And they're down to the last fucking fiver. It's 8 a.m. All their mates have fucked off. They're simultaneously drunk and hungover. And they just throw it on red 32. It doesn't fucking matter. We're gone. We're done. But, you, know, they, you know, Garcia did get them out of the relegation zone before they sacked him. And, you know, Allardyce did bring them back in there. So maybe there is a little bit of solace there for me. Maybe they can shit on his one point that he yeah. actually got. I think Spurs, Spurs were still fourth when they gave the job to Stellini. Like, and then decided there was nothing to play for. We're in fourth place. Fuck it, the season's over. Who the fuck do they think they are? <laughs> I, I think you've actually forgotten about one. You know, Nathan Jones was incredible. Oh, wow. I think I think if he if he turned up on an episode of Alan Partridge, you'd think, ah, Coogan's lost it. This is bollocks. <laughs> it's just not realistic enough. I mean, the, the remarkable thing about Nathan Jones isn't, isn't even that he made it to the top of the sport. It's that nobody said, mate, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I mean, there were seven. But it, like, even even with that, there were 17 games left when Southampton just decided to let themselves go down. They just they just gave it to whoever replaced him. Was it Ruben Seles? Yeah. They just gave it to him for something to do. It'll keep him busy. It was February the 12th. And they handed their fans a fucking dildo and said, you might as well fuck yourselves because that's what we're doing. Happy Valentine's Day. But like, even even Ruben Seles, whoever the fuck he is, had a better win ratio than Frank Lampard. Like, and I know, I know Chelsea had problems. I know they spent 600 million quid and ended up with a worse squad. I know the perception was that they had nothing to play for and he had just shown them or we had just shown them the week before how big the gap was to Unai Emery's Aston Villa. But the reality is the gap was still only three points after we beat them. And they decided to throw their fucking chips in on Frank Lampard. Madness. It's definitely Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard is easily the worst appointment of the season. Yeah. It's such an indictment of Chelsea fans as well, isn't it? That Frank Lampard was put there to placate them. <laughs> they, they, they did write off the season by putting them in charge so would they not have just given the man that they thought was going to be the long term face of the club and long term future of the club in Graham Potter this season let's see if he can turn it around like he, he has beaten Borussia Dortmund he's gotten us through the next round of the Champions League let's see see what he can do and Frank Lampard wasn't going to win the Champions League for them it's just that and it went way worse than anybody could have even hoped for as well let's be honest I didn't think Frank Lampard would come in and and win one, lose, win, no, no, yeah, win one, draw one, and then lost the rest. I think it was it one one nine and then nine one one. Some people making the 
Joker boys like that. He lost nine and he, he he won one and drew one like that. What what a phenomenal record that was! Like it's all time stuff. And still, he's going to bounce into another job. Ah, I see. <laughs> the last one, and I'm actually being genuine in this one. I am a bit surprised that Ten Hag's speech to the Man United crowd didn't work. <laughs> Fucking hell. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was rabble rousing. I thought it was what a way to pull everybody together. All of the players here out there going to know that this man's got the the entire global fan base of Man United eating out of the palm of his hand. It was class. And then it's like, it wasn't just a speech a week before the final, the FA Cup final. It was more, wow, like if he brings that intensity, that passion into the changing room, that's a man I'm running through a wall for. Right. <laughs> I mean, what do you say? That we've got a really strong chance of beating Man City next year. Yeah. I mean, whatever about a speech, which was the most hype piece of footage I've ever seen, by the way. But maybe don't. In your next interview, talk about needing better players to be able to compete with Man City next season. Like you still have to play them this season, Eric. Remember, it's next week. It's your biggest game of the season, the one that you've managed to get Conan all wet for. This is like this game still has to happen against the opponents. You're saying you need better players to be able to compete with. So even if his speech wasn't unbelievably mundane, he fucking ruined it anyway. He ruined it the next game by saying. I know I said we've got a really strong chance. I don't actually believe that, no. The fucking players I have, have you seen them? Have you seen Jaden Sancho trying to control the ball? He's not even fast, Jaden Sancho. That's essentially what he was saying after the, in the post-match press conference after he gave that magnificent speech. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't go looking for any more content. I got what I needed. Yeah, well, I liked it. That's the sort of thing I like. And I'm going to go back and watch it again. I'm going to try and ignore the results and what happened next. Just going to enjoy it. Like this, that's, that's the beauty of a film. A film ends after these speeches or they usually just write on a victory. At the no, end no, no. What, I, what happens is after somebody gives a magnificent speech, the team goes on to victory and goes on to win. Yeah. That's, that's what makes the speech good then. If, a, if, a, if, a, if in a film somebody gave this incredible speech and then the team just lost, <laughs> you make anyone give a flying fuck about the speech? <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it I've got a full summer to sit and think about it now I have to say thank you again for listening the whole way through and thanks again for the support all season if you haven't already please do subscribe to whatever platform that you're listening to us on it's been an absolute pleasure having you from start to finish what a season what a roller coaster what a mad long journey it's been but we'll see after the summer's gone so thanks very much for being here and enjoy the rest of your summer and the few months of freedom that you have from Aston Villa but we'll actually be looking forward to a new season now that's the beauty of this time around so we'll see you soon thanks again